I'm Eli Smith, and I don't cry at movies, but I want to. I'm Cody Lunsford, and I cry at movies all the time. It is now my job to make Eli cry at movies. From best pictures... And purely nostalgia. This is... Live and let cry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live and Let Cry, a monthly podcast maxi-series to find a movie to make Eli Smith cry. I'm Cody Lunsford. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the 2016 movie about learning languages from Squid's Arrival. But before that, let's say hello to Mr. Dry Eyes, Eli Smith. Hey, Eli. Hello, Cody. How are you today? I'm going to ask you, how are <laughs> you're, you? You're going to flip it on me. I'm doing very well today. Um, you know, the, the rain is pouring, <laughs> which, you know, it's very uplift, uplifting to the spirits. Really? It's beautiful where I am. Um, well, Eli, this segues nicely into, uh, I have moved to Florida. Um, I don't know if you know. I have heard this, and that is a place where it rains quite a bit. It does rain quite a bit. Um, you know, th- this show is about crying and stuff. Have have you cried? Crying and stuff. It's just about crying and film. Have Have you been crying recently? I have not been crying recently. Um... I did have something happen recently that made me kind of almost cry. Um, okay. And I wanted to mention this. Um, yes, mention it. Um, well, it wasn't something that happened to me. It was <laughs> something okay. that happened to the world. Um, Chadwick Boseman's death hit me like yeah. super duper hard. I know it's like kind of a bummer to like um, start the episode with. And like it was a few yeah. weeks ago at this point. But Well, yeah, but the show is about crying. Right. So, like, so I felt like that was important to mention. Like I didn't cry. It didn't meet our definition of a cry. But, like, that was a big one for me. Like, probably in the year 2020, that was the closest I've come to crying when I read that news. Yeah, I was was pretty emotionally affected by that as well. Also, RBG dying recently. Yeah. Um, Which it's always kind of make. I feel like such a callous person for this kind of thought. But when somebody's, like, super old, I never get as emotional. You know, Chadwick Boseman being pretty young, close to the age of my parents, really messed with me uh mm-hmm. and that one affected me quite a bit i i mentioned moving i i moved eight hours away from my family you know yeah and so that that was my cry moment recently because I, it, it didn't happen when i was saying bye to him or anything because i'm like oh, i'll see him later whatever but as i like crossed the florida georgia line you know cruise <laughs> started playing as it does um but as soon you, as you I, chose that wording <laughs> oh per, yeah very purposely as soon as i crossed that line it started hitting me the enormity of what i was doing yeah um and so i kind of teared up at that and then starting a new job all that kind of stressors um and that that might may have been one of the reasons why when i went into the theaters uh, a couple days ago wearing a mask being very safe but Mm -hmm. went into the theaters to see the film the broken hearts gallery uh which is a (laughs) rom-com starring uh the bad boy from stranger things i've Uh, truly never heard definitely teared up quite a bit It is great wow. because Philippa Sue from Hamilton plays the BFF in a rom-com and she's very funny and there's tons of funny people in it and it made me tear up because it was an effective rom-com. Long live the movies. I wish I knew how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like that sounds so fun. Up a bit. It is. It is. I felt like I felt like I had a full emotional experience after I left that theater. Um, I laughed, I cried, you know, the full gamut of things. Mm. Um, but like, 
we we have talked a lot about what makes us cry. Yeah. But I think it's time to bring somebody else in and ask them how tears fall from their face. Mm. So I would like to introduce to the show the co-host of the Best Pictures podcast, Mark Watlington. How are you doing today, Mark? I, I am doing quite well. I would also like to say that I've hosted a podcast with Eli as well. Yeah. Uh, Cody never mentions that one, does he? Busters. Uh, I don't mention that one because I don't know if you can find it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can find maybe two episodes of it because like, we okay. went from the free account yeah. of wherever it was hosted. <laughs> on, and on SoundCloud. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as always, if you want to listen to an episode, email me or DM me, and I'll just send you a sound <laughs> file. I think I still have all this of This is them. the way they used to do podcasts. You'd had to just yes. email someone, and they would send you a file. <laughs> I'll send you an MP3 on a carrier pigeon. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, Mark, what is your tearstimony? What, what, what do you cry <laughs> often? Tearstimony. I, um, I really do not cry very often at all. Um, in fact, yet... I think even earlier this week, I had the the rare experience of thinking, I could probably cry right now mm-hmm. if I like I was like at work and really stressed <laughs> out and overwhelmed. You are a weirdo. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I could probably like actually like dip into some emotions right now and have a really cathartic cry. Um, yeah. But I would have to like go outside, and it just sounds like a lot of work. So I put it off for, you know, I'll just like store up the Healthy. the tears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I have a question, but as someone who doesn't cry very often ever basically, is that normal? Do you have like the option to cry? Like do you have like Cody is that no, something that happens I mean, for you or is this a weird mark thing? I think I don't really decide to cry. It just happens to me, but it happens a lot. I uh in fact, whenever I try not to, it's pretty ineffective. So, Mark's storage method. It's, it's not even that I have to try not to. It's that I know that if I try to cry, it's there. Like Fascinating. In that moment. Right now, I couldn't cry if I tried. But, like, at that uh-huh. moment, I was like, I could probably take 15 minutes, work up a good cry. Um, but I won't. I'm trying to think if I could cry on command. Cry. <laughs> I don't think I can, especially not in this context where we're doing goof em ups. Like yeah. I would have to like get really into it. Like I, like maybe if I was you know at the theater <laughs> on the stage, as uh, <laughs> as uh, as they say, they don't say it like that. Um, but I think my wife can cry in command um, because you know she actually is a good actor as opposed to me who is not um okay the question the cliche thing is like you think about dead puppies or something like that and then uh, let you not cry. At all. no i know yeah. i'm not saying that you do that but i i was wondering what would be the thing that you guys would think of to make you cry on command is there a thing um <laughs> this is where this show gets more serious than our other show um i probably would think about like some mom stuff yeah you know <laughs> abandonment issues those kind of things if if my wife ever left me <laughs> those kind of things yeah for me it's always like it's just like the buildup of a lot of things like stress, stress. plus okay, like yeah. things that i can't control plus like i don't know lack of sleep like it's just like a, a sure. recipe that i'm not exactly sure how to make mm. but sometimes it happens 
when I was in when I was in therapy more regularly, it would it would happen at the weirdest thing. Like one time, I was like, "Yeah, I wear glasses, and I have worn glasses for a long time." But then I started crying, and I was like, "I don't know where that came from." <laughs> oh, that's that's a little funny. So, did do do you? I've seen you cry, not very often, but we have known each other for a when? while. When you cr- you okay, a full cry maybe not, but you did tear up at my wedding. I did see. Okay, it. yes. Yeah. I mean, weddings will always get me a little, a little choky. Yeah. So I saw that. I don't. I'm trying to think if I've witnessed you kind of tear up at a movie, also, and I'm sure I have. Also, but Cody, I think the face you saw me make at your wedding was me remembering when you said during our other co-host Chad's wedding, you leaned over to me and said those crazy kids did it. Yeah, which and was it maybe one laugh. of the funniest things I've ever it made done. Made me in laugh my life. a lot, and also like it. Sometimes the barrier between cry and not cry is broken with laughter. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I just the memory of you leaning over to me and saying those crazy kids did it <laughs> as your wife was walking down the aisle made me like smile and laugh and just a little a little choked up. A little choked up. Those um, two crazy kids did it. That's very so, cute. So do do you cry during movies, Mark? No. Very rarely. Um occasionally like Really, the the closest I ever come in most situations is just, like, a little choked up, like mm-hmm. I imagine would happen if someone who's allergic to peanuts, like, smelled peanut butter. Sure. Or, like, you're like, I, oh, okay, yeah, this is something. Yeah. Um, but really not much more than that. I okay. thought at first you were saying that that was something that made you cry, thinking about people <laughs> being allergic to peanut butter. The only movie he cries at is My Girl, which I know is Bees, but it's similar. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, okay, so so you don't cry that often during movies. The um, other thing that happens to me sometimes is, like, a tear will go down my face, but also that happens when I'm really tired. And I think that what? in movies, I'm really tired and it's really dark. So my yeah. eyes like kind of take a break and then tears fall out. I don't really know what happens. I don't know if it's sometimes it's like, well, this is a sad part of the movie. So it makes sense for a tear to stream uh-huh. down my face. Uh-huh. Um, but sometimes that's not a sad part of the movie. And I'm like, eyes, what are you doing? This like, kind of sounds like Mark doesn't know what crying is. <laughs> <laughs> my face and my tear ducts don't work. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you need to consult your... Uh, I was about to use the fancy word for an eye doctor, but didn't remember it. So. Optometrist. <laughs> Atom- or ophthalmologist. I don't remember which yeah. is which, but... There's um, probably a difference. There is. One of them digs for eyeball <laughs> bones in the Stop desert. That. I don't know. <laughs> um. So, Mark, you, you don't cry that often, but you no. did bring a movie to us, and you said yes. this movie almost makes me cry. This movie, when I saw it in theaters, I sobbed. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So let, let, let's talk about the movie a little bit. So we're talking about Arrival, which kind of has a storied history um, for Eli's podcast, as fervent listeners of his show will know, that it somehow became a recurring bit. <laughs> for um, about a year, yeah. Um, and they had to determine whether movies were better than Arrival. Um, there were which a lot I of movies that you declared were better than Arrival, uh, and I, I I thought about going through and compiling a list to uh, confront you with on this episode, but <laughs> I decided not to. You know, uh, during the first half of watching this movie, I was thinking I might have to go back and like say some of those movies were not as good as, as Arrival, but then by the end, I thought, you know, I actually think maybe more better movies were better than Arrival than I gave it credit for, hmm. and I don't want Mark to get mad at me. We can we could talk about that in a minute. I don't dislike this movie. 
I, I like it a lot, um, but it did not have the effect on me that it seems to have had for Mark. So I want to hear more about why Mark loves it. Yeah, I mean, do we want to go through the plot of this movie? It's been about a month since I listened to an episode of this podcast. Well, some aliens arrive. <laughs> yeah, we don't really do plot here. We're focused on emotional okay. beats. Well, you know, spoiler alert for people who have not watched this it's movie. It's been four years. To the podcast. They can get over it's it. been four years. Um, but, like, the movie is, like, it does this thing where it's showing, it's like cross-cutting with, like, Amy Adams like raising a daughter who gets sick and then she goes through a divorce with her dad and it seems like it's flashbacks but then eventually it's kind of revealed that it's like the future and she's having memories of the future yeah um and the movie is kind of uh, i think what gets me about this movie is first of all it's kind of a puzzle movie so my brain is like working really hard to figure out what is happening in the movie Mm -hmm. and then when i realize what's happening in the movie it's very emotional because it's basically she sees the future and realizes that the future has to happen the way it is and she still chooses to go into that future right it's you know very... she knows that mm-hmm. she's going to have a daughter and that her daughter is going to die of a rare disease and that her husband is going to divorce her but she still like you know goes into that path for herself because she knows the joy that that will bring her and the good parts that will come with the bad parts. And it's like about accepting the inevitability of ending of things and the fact that like, yes, things will be bad, but they were worth it for the good parts. So you shouldn't avoid going into them for the bad parts. So like, I remember in the theaters, like being a little bit emotional, especially when she like tells her daughter about the sickness that the daughter's going to get. But then when she when she hugs Jeremy Renner and says, "I forgot how much I liked being held by you," yeah, for some reason that line just like absolutely de- de- devastates me. Yeah, it's very similar to the Carly Rae Jepsen line. That, uh-huh. um, uh, what is the line, Cody? Um, um, before I met you, I missed you so bad. Yes, before you came into my heart, I missed you so bad. No, um, that's not what the line is. Okay, whatever. You would actually know <laughs> better. Than are me. they talking to Jesus? <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> then actually, okay, hold on. I'm making a note. Make a worship version of Cult Me Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree, Mark. The, the poignancy of the, like, this will end, but I'm still choosing it because it's it, it's emotionally important to me, and it's, you know, let's recognize the good times and stuff like that. I think that's very, like heartbreaking and very good and i it's also like think it's heartbreaking and hopeful at the same yes. time in like yeah. a really complicated and um emotional way that like really hit me also when i watched this movie in theaters i was like going through it um so that's part of it i think was it was a large part of it yeah we don't really you know we we <laughs> i say we don't really often when we've had what two or three episodes of the show but we yeah. don't often delve into politics or that sort of thing but i will say from what i've kind of going back in the letterbox and seeing what people were saying about this movie this movie came out right after the 2016 presidential election where a lot of people were emotional for a lot of different reasons and this movie (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) so um and so this um i don't remember that one (laughs) yeah me either who was in that one (laughs) 
it seems like a very uh not important one um but this movie is also about like the power of communication and yes. humanity working together and all of those things that were like super hopeful at a moment when uh, a lot of people didn't really have were kind of the opposite of hopeful so mm-hmm. i think that's probably another reason why it's kind of like a pummel of emotions so yeah. when you guys talk about this being hopeful i that resonates me with me and i understand what you're talking about but when i watch this movie i don't really feel that hope to me this is i i don't know why it's it's almost just depressing to me because mm-hmm. of the inevitability of she knows what's going to happen and like i know how it ends like her still making the decision to to do that anyway i guess is hopeful in a way but mm-hmm. i don't the way this movie ends i do not end feeling hopeful i just feel like well i guess everything sucks and there's yeah. nothing you can do about it i mean i i think that that is like what's interesting is that it's both like everything does suck and you're going to experience all of these like horrible things but also like she does get to be with someone that she loves and she does right. get to have a daughter that she loves and like all of her memories of of her daughter seem like they're happy memories. Yeah. And, and I think I think that's the importance of like the aliens giving the gift or the tool or the weapon, the very they call it different things at different points, but they they give humans the ability to experience time kind of continuously because that's yeah. how the aliens do it. And I I think viewing time differently is what makes it hopeful. It's like you can experience the bad moments, but also continuously be experiencing the good moments through memory and all of yeah. that kind of stuff. It's and I like think it's like not only seeing the end result, which is bad, but also like the middle results, which are good and joyful. And, you know, it's it's about like not only viewing the the beginning or not only viewing the end, but like looking at the whole thing. Right. Because there as, is no beginning whole. or no end yeah. through the perspective of the squids. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes pause. sense. I feel though like the fact that like th- her having these little flash forwards or whatever throughout the movie where she's experiencing things that will happen later, it seems mm-hmm. like it's causing her a lot of pain throughout the movie. And so it causes me to think like I don't think anyone should ha- should learn this alien language. This seems like it's bad to know the future and to yeah. know that things are going to be bad. And so that's why I struggle to feel some of that hope, I think, because I'm just like, I think you enjoy those moments better. I think you have the good with the bad better if you don't know the bad that's coming. I mean, See, I don't I, know if, if she's feeling pain because of these memories. It's almost like she's... Like, she's just experiencing a lot of emotion and doesn't know where the emotion is coming from. So it's, like, confused and just, like, yeah, punched in the gut with any kind of emotion. It's just, like, what is going on? Also, she's, like, stressed because she's trying to save the world. She hasn't slept much. Aliens are entering her brain. Her perception of time is falling apart. Like, she's she's having a rough day. But but I, I, I do get what you're saying, Eli. Like, would I want to know the future? Sometimes I think so, but I don't actually think so because right. then I, that would be all that I fixated on and I wouldn't be able to experience the present. But I think the movie presents it as, like, for Amy Adams, it was, like, the best way to kind of experience it. I don't know. But um, it's... it's uh, how do you feel about um, Denis... 
Villeneuve. Villain, I don't know. Villeneuve, I think. Villeneuve. Do you like his other movies, Eli? Um, I guess I've only seen Blade Runner 2049. And what I think that's his only other one that I've seen. Have you seen he Prisoners? Did. I have not. Sicario. Sicario. I haven't seen Sicario. Both are very good movies that are very depressing. So right. I do yes. get what you're... And Blade Runner 2049 is actually pretty like bleak. Yeah. Um, so he does have kind of an air of bleakness to him. But I do think this is his most hopeful film pretty far and away because Prisoners and uh, Sicario both are not. But they rule. You should see them. I, I recently watched uh, Polytechnique, which is mm-hmm. one of his first movies. Um, about a school shooting, so you know that is bleak. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry that uh, dolphin noise is bleak. <laughs> um, I guess it depends on which feed this is going on. Anyway. Um, He's not going to do two edits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that one is also strangely hopeful. It kind of has two endings because of the way it's structured. Interesting. Um, but it is it is both bleak and hopeful. Right. Um, it's really good. And also, like, nine or uh, 77 minutes, and it's on mm. Amazon Prime. So, like, okay. shorter, I, I shorter than it. your average Game of Thrones episode, as I like to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, Eli, I don't know if you know much about Dune, but it makes a lot of sense that that is the sci fi franchise that Denis wanted to make yeah. because it is bleak. <laughs> yeah. I know that it's about Ray and. Um, Kylo's son, and, yes. th- and that there's a <laughs> yes. sandworm. So that's Your son, exciting. Paul, here's the thing: you say that as a joke, but if someone cast Timothy Timothy as uh, Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver's son, you would be like, "Yeah, it makes sense. It yeah. makes total sense." <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but um, let's. Do you guys Vill- want to talk Villeneuve, about? I mean, to answer your question, Cody, about Villeneuve, I. Like after I rewatched Blade Runner twenty forty nine and it like wasn't as good as I first expected, so like and I am also like terrified of Dune because it could be horrible. So like part of me is like, am I overrating him? Is he just like one of those like film bro guys? And then I watched this movie and I was like, oh no, this movie is like exactly as good as I remember it being. Yeah, and Sicario's a masterpiece it's like complicated what it's about but i think that movie actually handles it pretty well at like telling you that it's all messed up whereas the sequel does not as well (laughs) um but um no i i like him but he is not a fun filmmaker you know we don't we don't have a ton of like fun auteurs at the moment like we need an i guess we do i guess i forget about like Taika and yeah. Wes Anderson and people like that. Um, but um, do we, I think we need to talk about the other reason that this movie theoretically makes me cry at least, and that's Amy Adams robbed um, yes. of an Oscar um, because she's been nominated a lot of times and never won. And this, I think, may be... This may she be the best... She wasn't even nominated, right? No, she was... Oh, hold up. Now I got to look that up. I thought she was nominated. But Who did she, she lose to? 2016. Um, Emma Stone in... In La La Land. In oh. I Sing a Song about... It's LA. a good performance. It is it's a good, good performance. It is, but I think... Um, I don't think she was nominated. I don't think Amy Adams was nominated for this. Okay, that's a, that is a crime then. Um, hold on. No, she was... Oh, hold on. 
Well, no, she got a Golden Globe nomination, but mm-hmm. not an Oscar. So she was robbed. She should have yes, at least absolutely gotten the nomination. Um, I, I sort of think this may be her best film performance. Yeah, it's incredible. Do you think she has a better TV performance in The Office? <laughs> I know you're. I know you're on your fifth rewatch of The Office right now. Literally only the second. Mm-hmm. Um. No, she's really good in Sharp Objects. Well, not better in that movie than in this, but, I mean, she's good in that show is basically yeah. what, what I meant. But I'm trying to think, is it her best movie performance? She is very good in... Enchanted. Enchanted was legitimately the one I was going to I, say. Yeah. That's kind of an insanely good performance. It's really good. It, it's It's like... I think I talked about this on our uh, on Best Pictures at some point. It's very similar to the Johnny Depp and Pirates of the Caribbean or mm-hmm. Will Ferrell and Elf kind of thing, yeah. where it's not the standard Oscar performance, but the level of skill and full character but into it is like insane. Like th- that actor is the only person who can play that part, and it like exactly. is kind of made for them, even mm-hmm. though they're kind of like you know, capable of more. I mean, well, at least Amy Adams is capable of more than just playing a fairy tale princess. Sure, yeah. But like the I like her as a Snow White or Cinderella type is like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. Absolutely. She's I mean, she is good in the fighter and the master and American Hustle. Uh she's also incredible in the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Um but um, um, she's in Vice, is what I'll say. <laughs> she got an Oscar nomination for that movie, and she's in it. She is in it. Um, I wish I wouldn't say she's bad. She's not bad, but she, uh, it's that movie sucks. Anyway, she should have gotten nominated for Arrival over Vice, and she should have an Oscar by now. And now she's gonna win it for freaking Hillbilly Elegy this year, which may be good. I don't know. Um, Cody, read off your nominees from that year. <sighs> For Arrival? Uh, no, year? no, for Best Actress, yes. Yes, okay, let me pull up. While you're looking that. at that, Eli, what do you think of the score for this movie? Because I think that the score is also part of what, like, absolutely jerks the tears out of my eyeballs. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, the really, the only points where it stands out are the very beginning and the very end, where it has the, I don't remember how it goes exactly right now, but that very like yes. sad haunting melody that plays right at the beginning when you're seeing clips of her with her daughter and then right at the end and i think those mm-hmm. are the only two times that it plays it doesn't really play in the middle of the movie am i wrong i mean i think that that melody only appears then there yes. is score yeah yeah i'm not saying there's course. no score other than that but that's the but yeah, piece that, of like, score that stands out to me absolutely um, uh-huh. and i think that is very good and i like that it is used that sparsely mm-hmm. who did the score do you guys know off the top of your head? Is it like a big composer? I do not. Oh, it's it's it uh, Johan Johansson. Mm. Um, oh, all right. Okay. Because he did a lot of Denise stuff. He did Prisoner, Sicario, and Arrival. Um, okay, so looking at Oscar nominations, this is called Cody and Mark have a show <laughs> called Best Picture, so it always comes back to this. This is somehow. this is called Mark wants to know who should have got kicked out of the Oscar race for Amy. Oh, Adams. I'll tell you, it's easy. So Emma Stone won for La La Land. Sure. Isabel Hubert, Hubert, 
Hubert? Hubert. She's French. She's French. Yeah. In L makes sense. Good performance. Ruth Nega in Loving. I never saw that movie, but I imagine she's good in it. What was Isabel Hubert in? L. The oh yeah, she should be in that. Yeah. Um, it, you <laughs> you got to get out. <laughs> um, for the listeners, you are not Chad. recording. You have to get out. Chad just get popped up in here. our Google Hangouts call. Uh, not <laughs> no microphone. Um, not recording himself. He hasn't said anything so far. Okay, but if as he long has, as he doesn't say anything, he can sit and watch. <laughs> oh, that caught me off guard. <laughs> um, okay, so Natalie Portman got nominated for Jackie, another movie that I didn't see, but I saw Jackie. she's really good. And, and here's the one who should have been kicked out, even though I haven't seen this movie, and she's always good, but I've heard this movie is just fine. It's Meryl Streep in Florence Foster Jenkins. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah, she just plays, like, the worst opera singer in the world. Like, that's the premise of that movie. And it's like, don't <laughs> give it to Amy Adams. Meryl has, Meryl has enough. Meryl has an Oscar is the difference. She has multiple Oscars. Yeah. Um, and may win an Emmy tonight. I guess our listeners will know. For the listeners, Chad has left the building. <laughs> Thank God. It was stressing me out <laughs> Bye, so <Chad>. much. <laughs> um. So, but speaking of Chad, <laughs> what did he think about this movie? Wow, you're trying to tra- okay stop transition. that. Mark. Yeah, Sorry. stop. That is That's we Cody's still have job. we haven't talked about where we cry yet. Um, <sighs> but um, the last performance thing. What do you guys think of Renner? There's other good performances in this movie, but I feel like Renner's the one that we need to talk about. I he's, like Renner in this. I me too. He's he's good. This is maybe um, top tier Renner performances. Yeah. Um he's very good at like playing the military guy. I couldn't help but think that this role is kind of Mark Ruffalo-ish. Well, yeah, um, because he's playing a math man. <laughs> yeah, he's playing <laughs> yes. Um and Renner has never seemed like the smart guy in a movie. Not that he seems dumb. He doesn't seem um, dumb, but he's he's your grunt. He's your Hawkeye. He's the uh bomb guy in Hurt Locker. He's born to, you yes. know. But like he's he's, he's really smart in a totally different way from the protagonist, which is why I think it works because yeah, he's, I agree. he's he's not smart about linguistics. Right, she seems very like emotionally intelligent and yes. he's very mm-hmm. like data intelligent. Mm-hmm. Not that she's not, but you know, they they kind of have that uh push and pull which is really cool. Um so let, let's talk about crying. Quick reminder of what makes us cry. It's when tears fall down our cheeks. Which apparently happens does. a lot for Mark, but he doesn't know why. But it, he doesn't know why. They just kind of leak out onto his cheeks. So what what would you guys say were kind of the big cry moments of uh, of the movie? I clocked two of them. Uh and it was toward the middle of the movie when when the daughter says how her dad doesn't look at her the same anymore. Yeah. Um, and the, and I don't know if that would have registered as a cry moment for me if I didn't know the twist at that point. Which right. I, I couldn't... It's hard to tell the second time watching through when you actually figure out what's going on because it's not the very end. Like, I remember figuring it out at some point in the movie, but I think that would have a bearing on whether you cried at that point. And then right. the other one was just the end, like the last, I guess, 10 minutes of the movie, kind of when that score kicks in again and like yeah. it's just tying everything all back up. Yeah. There's not like a specific line, but just that whole thing. Well, like the it, end of Ratatouille. <laughs> you're right. It's 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 her saying her entire life, but to me it's also like Renner says, like he says the line, it was meeting you. Yeah. That was like that. 
crushes me as romantic. I think the daughter stuff at the beginning is pretty effective in kind of like a beginning of up way um, where it's just kind of short and miserable. Um, The speech from the um, Chinese general, I think is really good when he meets her at the party and he tells her the things she needs to know in the past. And Mm -hmm. like, he's like, thank you for changing my mind. That guy's just a really good performer. Um, I've seen him in a couple stuff, a couple stuff, a couple things, um, most recently in Mulan as, uh, her dad. Um, and I just think he's great and that that's a pretty like good scene. And then the world working together was my other maybe cry point. Mark, did you have any that differed from ours? Mine were pretty close to Eli's. I mean, it's the same scene with the daughter in the future flashback, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that that scene is where you're kind of supposed to realize that they're future visions yeah. and that she's seeing time kind of nonlinearly. Because for me, it's when she explains why dad is leaving and it's because he found out that she's going to have some debilitating disease. And then she also tells her daughter, she's like, you know, you're going to die and there's nothing you can do. Just like that like that moment and like the bravery on the mom's part and also just like kind of it's it's a really interesting choice from a parenting perspective because yeah. as you know I'm not a parent um she doesn't tell her that she's going to die does she I am with Eli I don't think she tells the daughter she tells Renner and Renner gets pissed that she made the decision without him or without telling him to have like bring a kid into this world who was doomed to die, which is kind of an existential crisis that we all are going to deal with. Thank you, First Reformed. Um. (laughs) Yes. Um, I got the feeling... Anyway, she she says that I told your dad something... Right. ...that's going to happen. Yes. Um, And, like, knowing that... I don't know. That kind of, like, revelation of kind of how the plot is working as well as, like, the emotional decisions there. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I, I think that w- what this movie does to unlock my tears is, like, make me understand the puzzle while also, like, making that really emotional yeah. in a way that, like, it activates my brain. But, like, while my brain is busy, it also activates my heart. It's kind of a trick. I don't like it. Um, but then the, the same thing at the end where you kind of realize that Renner is the husband. Um and like I said, just the line of like, I I, I forgot how good it is to be held right. by you or something like yeah. that is, and then it like cuts to them hugging for the first time and then dancing, and then like having a kid. It's it's just amazing. It's really good. It sounds like you cry a little bit at the power of movies, <laughs> you know, the <laughs> yeah. unlocking the brain thing. What well, um, one more cry point that we missed is when one of the squid when Costello says Abbott is death yes. process. It's a c- Abbott oh. is death process. <laughs> yes, legitimately, it was like oh. Wow. <laughs> Sad. I love Abbott. He's a yeah. He's a king. Is he your favorite <laughs> of the heptapods? Um, between him and Costello. Okay, so how many heptapods were on that ship? I think I, that there were only two per pod. I think okay. there was more because I think in that scene where she's in the white space, I feel like you saw some in, in the background, right? I can't remember um, really. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, I saw a lot of people when I went back, they were like, yeah, I, I still don't really understand what the heptapods plan was. 
which I did not have that experience. I was like, their plan is to, they need help in the future. They've got to teach humans to see into the future to yeah. help them later on. It seems yeah, pretty I mean, clear like, to me. It isn't super clear, like, what exactly they needed the humans to do, but it was basically, like, humans stop fighting each other and, like, work together. And then and come help us like, in a thousand years. Like, we're not yeah. going to know in Amy Adams' timeline of what they have yeah. to do to help the heptapods anyway. But I, I think that, like, it, what they're doing is less important than the fact that, like, humans mm-hmm. do band together. Um, yeah. And that's probably the whole the whole goal of the thing. So at the end of this movie, we can assume that Amy Adams's character will be teaching this language to yes. the rest, and it will become like a normal language for humans to learn. And eventually, all humans will be able to see the future. Yes. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Weird yeah. concept. I I kind of want to see the the action sequel to the movie. <laughs> it's <tenny>. arrived. <laughs> right. Um, so arrive process. Mark, did you <laughs> did you cry? Um, when I watched most recently, no, I did not. I also did not cry. Eli, did you cry? I sure did not. So kind of an unsuccessful film, Mark. Um, a failure on all Look, accounts. <laughs> I, I don't cry during movies very often, but when you talk about movies that make you cry, this one is the one that comes to mind because no, I absolutely. did. I was sitting in a theater absolutely sobbing my eyes out, and I turned to the guy next to me that I did not know a complete stranger and i was like that was amazing right and he's he was like just kind of looked at me weird (laughs) (laughs) great no i mess with you this was a good pick and i think it gives us a different look at what can make people cry you know uh which we like kind of delving into um so i think we all like this movie me and marks like it more than Eli. It yeah, and you guys might have convinced me to like it a, even a little bit more than I did. I, I just felt really depressed after watching it. I didn't feel as hopeful, but the way you guys talk about it, I see the hope a little bit more. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, here's the here's the secret. I'm always depressed, so when a movie <laughs> is depressing but also hopeful, that's a change for me. Right. That's your right. secret, Cap. That's my <laughs> secret, Cap. Um. So... Let's see if other people like this movie, okay? So um, these are reviews pulled from Letterboxd. Uh, we have Cathay, um, who gave it five stars, and uh, they said, Memory is a strange thing. For example, I remember Amy Adams' performance as being one of the best of 2016, but the Academy seemed to remember differently. Um, mm. I just relate to that one. Um, Liam gave it five stars and said, still waiting for a heptopod Duolingo update. Need that <laughs> little green owl to teach me their language. I want to be besties with those intellectual space octopuses. Octopi. Yeah, I know. Um, also, octopi have an extra arm. That's yes. true. Um, Hunter Strawberry gave it 4.5 stars and said, social distancing was invented by Amy Adams and Oscar statuette. Wow. Um, <laughs> another similar theme. Um, Ant gave it 0.5 stars and said, I once met Jeremy Renner in NYC just before Christmas. He was in a very ugly limousine and I was making fun <laughs> of the car, but he then stepped out and glared at me. And honestly, I haven't liked him since. Not my fault. Your car, your car was so ugly. <laughs> wow. A good review of the film Arrival. 
That's letterboxed for you. That's letterboxed. That's why we love it. Um, so normally it's when we get to producer reviews, but Mark's already talked about it, so we don't get his review. Um, producer Chad <laughs> waited until he popped into the... Uh, <laughs> it was actually right before he popped in. I watched the notification come in, and then, and then his, little, his, his little face showed up. Um, he said, I have not seen the film Arrival, and that fact makes me sad enough to cry. So he has not seen it. Um, villain? Is he a villain this week? Eli, we do um, determine the producers to be I villains. I think he is because he, he literally jumped into the episode. <laughs> yeah. Hey, am I, am I still a villain? You're, you're, you're not a villain this episode this far. Week. I did it. But next week, or next episode? Mm, yeah, probably. Um, Clint gave it he doesn't use letterbox well so i don't have a <laughs> he didn't have it when he saw this movie to be fair but <laughs> to be fair um and he said honestly shocked when eli said this movie had the potential to make people cry aliens communicating through math too much for me um so we're not sure that clint remembers the movie arrival that well because <laughs> i, I texted him i said i don't know if you remember this movie. and then i like related to him the plot or not the plot but like the general idea of this movie like it's about a woman who knows her future child is going to die and her husband will leave her <laughs> and he was like huh <laughs> so i mean like but like you wouldn't guess that based on like the trailer it just looks like right. an alien sci-fi movie so i understand yeah. that but i didn't yeah. really remember how much a part of that a part of this movie that was either but that that is fair i actually uh, same boat i remember the alien stuff being the which it is still kind of the main point of it yeah. but it's really more about her life which is why it felt like a weirdly obvious oscar play um which it did get nominated for best picture which makes sense but it, it just felt like interpersonal drama most of all and then there was some alien stuff um sprinkled in so clint you get um you get like b tier villain you're not the highest tier villain like chad this week um if you want to make him a villain go back and listen to some of our episodes in 2019 where we compared movies to arrival because he probably said like some of the shrek movies are better than arrival right i don't remember he said that uh, space jam was better than arrival (laughs) (laughs) which is oh man um i've i've I'm I declare him a villain for those opinions. <laughs> I, 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 Space Jam. Excited for Space Jam too, but is what I will say. Arrival is pretty similar to Space Jam, if you think <laughs> about it. It is about aliens coming to Earth to, mm-hmm. to teach humans something. Yeah, right. And they get the the best person uh-huh. to talk to the aliens. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Pretty similar. And then, yeah, that's. That's and it's movie. about a bunch of different nations uniting. Yeah. Basketball, Looney Tune, mm-hmm. Alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The three nations. There are Looney Tunes in all of the movies, if you look close enough. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you where, but there are Looney Tunes in Arrival. In the beginning, there were three nations. Looney Tunes, <laughs> basketball, <laughs> aliens, and everything was fine until the alien nation attacked. Um I've, I haven't watched that show yet. I don't have the right to uh, quote the beginning. Um, hey, Mark, hmm? where can people find you? Oh, you can find me on Letterboxd and Twitter and Instagram at Watlington Mark. That's also my Venmo handle. Uh-huh. Um, I think it might be Watlington Dash Mark. Uh-huh. Um, you can find me on Google Hangout if you're like Chad and you just want to <laughs> pop into my Google Hangouts. 
Well, the uh, mistake usually... I made was putting it in a group message that he also was in. That's how yes. he was able to join. Um, hey, Mark, you host the podcast, don't you? I, w- I thought you were going to plug that, so I was going to leave it up to you. Also, this is like on the feed, so maybe. Yeah, Unless maybe. they're listening on my podcast feed. Exactly. So you can find me at Cody Lunsford underscore on Twitter and Instagram, Cody Lunsford on Letterboxd. Um, and... I host Best Pictures, which you maybe you're in the feed of, but maybe you're in purely nostalgia. And if you haven't made the jump over to Best Pictures yet, they're they're similar. We talk about some big boy movies, um, and we say cusses more often, but otherwise they're they're pretty similar. Yeah, they don't have to bleep them out with dolphin noises over there. <laughs> right, Eli. What about you? Um, well, you can, as we have already mentioned, listen to my podcast, Purely Nostalgia, where we talk about kids' movies and stuff. Um, it's a good time. What are we doing there now? Uh, it's about to be spooky season. Probably when this comes out, our most recent episode will be, what am I recording an episode for tomorrow? Flubber! We're talking about Flubber. It's the, it's the Jello movie. So, um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Elisha P. Smith. Follow me on Letterbox at that, and you know what? Why not? It sounds like TikTok might stick around. You can follow me on TikTok at Mr. Right. Wallet. Um, that's about it. Don't follow me on Instagram. There's no reason to. <laughs> Eli, I will say that I watched Flubber today because of your podcast, and I wanted to listen to it. And if I wasn't also trying to watch every Disney movie ever made, I would be a little angry. Really? Because <laughs> it's not I a good flick. It's not. It's not a good flick, but it is better than many movies that we've talked about this year on well, the show. It's been a rough year for the show, I think. Not yeah, not like just like in the it's movies. It's been good we've episodes, watched. but you have done a run of like just, Shark Tale B movie, two left behind movies, and now yes. Flubber. So I'm hoping you pick good. Uh, Flubber soon. is better than all of those movies. <laughs> uh, also, yeah, isn't you're this right. the same year as Dugo versus Delco? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. But we also did like Jurassic Park and Jaws this year, so it's yeah, just been like Alex. a lot of extremes. Nemo. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this will continue to be another movie on purely nostalgia that I will not watch along with, but still listen to the episode. Yeah, it's. it's I would say it's actually interesting to go back to Flubber because uh, I think I remembered from being a kid like, "Hey, this rules" because of the trailers. And yeah. We haven't recorded our Flubber episode yet, but I have a lot of strong takes that I'm <laughs> like that. I think that movie is interesting to say the least, but listen to our episode to hear more about that. Yes. Check in, check into their episode. Uh, Mark, what are we covering at this point? Either there will be blood or sunshine, another space movie, um, mm-hmm. which less aliens in that one, L- less aliens, more murder, in um, the equal amount of world ending. Yeah. Or potential world ending. Yep. Um, so thanks everybody for listening. Um, and until next time, we urge you to live and let cry.